Hey guys, I am so excited for this week's episode. I am going to be talking to Samantha Stilly and interviewing her about her recovery journey. Sam was one of my coaching clients and she did the work that I talk about on the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and really feed off of that energy and receive some hope from Sam's story today. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. All right, so today on the podcast, we have Sam. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How are you? I'm good. So we just want to talk about, I just wanted to have you on so we can talk about recovery, because I know a lot of people are curious, like, what's it like to work with me? why aren't I doing DBT because I thought DBT was like the magical wand cure-all and so I just wanted to have you know you on and I guess I'll have a lot of people on to figure out what my perspective is and so you can tell people your story what do you think um that sounds pretty awesome to me sweet all right cool so are you excited yeah awesome (laughs) So, when were you first diagnosed with borderline personality disorder? Um, so, I was 12 whenever I first started, like, going to psychiatrists, psychologists and stuff, like, to get tested and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and it was really funny because whenever they told my mom that I have borderline personality, she's like, okay, so Sam almost has a personality. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) And, uh. Whenever I actually got diagnosed, and it it took a hot minute for my mom, bless her heart, to actually figure out what borderline personality disorder was. But I have one, sometimes too. <laughs> so you were young, thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah. interesting because I know that a lot of the times I'll get contacted by parents who their doctors don't want to diagnose their kids that young. So your mom didn't really think too much of it. What about you? Um, I mean, looking back, it's like, I wish I wasn't diagnosed that young because I used it as a crutch for everything. Like I would, I don't know. I would rely on chaos and drama and this and that. And then whenever it became like a problem, I'm like, like, oh, well I have a disorder. So it's whatever. Yeah. Instead of, (laughs) you know, learning normal, basic human skills. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, with it being brought on on trauma and stuff, like, I had a lot. So I'm not surprised that it was diagnosed as so young. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Then I think that that's why people are hesitant to diagnose it as that young, because that becomes your identity, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm doing this because I have BPD. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. What treatment had you done from 13 until before you work with me? And did it work? What was it like? So... I've tallied it up, and my numbers, I'm lowballing these numbers just because I can't remember all their names, so from the time I was 12-ish to the time I was 28-ish, off and on, I saw like seven different psychologists, roughly, that was outside of my hospital stays, that was just like me going on my own, Um, five or six different psychiatrists, seven to ten hospitalizations, um, I, wow. 
am a recovering drug addict and alcoholic since I, I started that when I was 13, but mindset coaching is definitely the one that, that worked. It was the, the most real one. Mindset coaching? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any treatment, like, in within that, though? Like, are you just doing, like, like, what is it like for you in therapy during all those? That's a lot of hospitalizations, a lot of treatment. Like, yeah. What did you learn? Um... Honestly, nothing. I learned that I got an excuse out of my schoolwork. (laughs) I got um, to be the center of the show because, you know, I knew how to be fun and whatever. And it was like, you know, you get to be center of attention at the hospital and whatever. (laughs) I liked going. And there was one. I went to the same one one time for like three or four different times. And I just liked the staff. <laughs> that was why. That's so sad. I um, mean, I said the same I thing. Really, I didn't learn anything. Yeah. They don't, they don't really teach you much. They just kind of stick you in a bed and shove you full of medicine. And they're like, oh, cool. This works. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. So and then they say, oh. Well, so you don't, you didn't do anything like formal. You didn't do any DBT or any CBT or anything like that. Or did you just do it no. and like you were too young and you didn't realize it? Yeah, I mean, like, they give you worksheets and stuff like that, but, like, I don't, I don't remember any of them. So, no, it wasn't, like, anything formal type stuff, no. Okay. What about meds? So, like, all, during all that time, I'd have to imagine that they, like, hopped you up on lots of meds. So, what meds did you take, and did any of them work? I only remember 12 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, no. Tegretol. Depico, lithium, Respiradol, Abilify, Zoloft, Klonopin, Xanax, Xanax, Prozac, Valium, Lamictal, and Trazodone. Wow. Um, lithium is the only one that worked really good for me. Xanax and Klonopin worked for other reasons, um, unfortunately. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> lithium was really the only thing that I remember and that actually did anything and was helpful a lot of the other ones there they give you so many different ones like to counteract the symptoms from this one and then this creates this it none of them actually did was seroquel on that list i don't remember taking it Mm -hmm. i may have Mm -hmm. um at some point i just i don't remember it so then do you still take lithium because you said it helped you when did you stop taking lithium i guess um about a week before I contacted you. Okay. Do you feel like you need it still? No, not at all. All right. So tell us not about, you know, like a lot of people out there, they take a lot of medicine. So tell us about what lithium helped you with and why you just, you know, can do without it now. Um, so it helped me keep like regular kind of ish. To where, like, yeah, I still got sad, but I didn't get, like, depressed. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I got happy, but I didn't get, like, take your six-year-old to Toys R Us happy. And so it it kind of regulated things. But at the same time, like, I operated on three hours of sleep. I could not sit still for more than five minutes. Um, it was It was almost like it gave me ADHD, (laughs) but now I don't feel like I need it because I just, I, I think more clear. Like I see things for 
what they are now, I have more logical thinking. And, like, I don't I don't necessarily feel like I can, I can kind of mainline myself, like, keep myself kind of leveled out. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So you stopped taking your medicine right before you and I started working together. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know that. <laughs> right? So we started working together. And Sam went off all of her meds, and she's, you know, she's fine. Yeah? I mean, fine, right? Like, that's a loose term, but you're not in hospital, you're not in distress. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And honestly, what it was is, like, I I wanted to, because, like, I found your podcast, and then I quit taking them, and then I called you. Like, I wanted to start treatment totally, like clear-headed you know fix everything not just fix what my medicine didn't fix okay so how did you find me and the podcast okay so I was just tired of not having anything good basically and I mean I'm sure that I did have stuff good I, I I did but I was just tired of not feeling like a human being I guess <laughs> and I was just tired of losing good people and a lot of it was I mean well it was not a lot of it it was the BPD and that's that's sad because I there's I don't know it just yeah I mean it is sad it is sad, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard because you have this diagnosis and this disorder and your whole life is sort of going all over the place, down the tubes. You don't know who's connected with you. You don't know who, you know, wants to be with you, right? Right, and so this girl at work, she kind of, she's a huge, like, podcast advocate. She's like, listens to TED Talks on her way and she got under my skin to be honest with you because she had her like stuff together and I was jealous and so we did not get along at all but (laughs) I started to see like this hateful you know quote-unquote that I thought she was you know maybe onto something (laughs) so I looked up BPD on my google podcast thingy and you were the first one that popped up and your banner was pink and I was like hey I like pink so I clicked on it (laughs) and I started listening and ta-da here we are (laughs) awesome so then what you know why even like why reach out to me why start treatment now not even me but like why start treatment now after knowing all that stuff that you had been through like seven to ten hospitalizations is like a huge number and then plus having gone through recovery you know what did you what's the what's your mindset now versus then versus like back when I was in the hospitals and stuff yeah yep mm-hmm. oh well I mean I'm 30 years old like <laughs> it's it's time I waited tables for like 12 years something like that 10 years yeah and I got a grown-up dog like I mean I have a career so I might as well have <laughs> have that better mindset and realize that it is not the same show (laughs) it is not the same show yeah so all right yeah let's transition to that what was it like working with me at the beginning you know and what 
Yeah, let's let's let everybody know like what where you came from. So it's easy to say like, oh, I stopped taking my lithium. I found this podcast. I'm like raring and ready to go, and now I'm good. But like, we need all the meat in the middle, right? Right. Okay. So <laughs> there we go. I remember like <laughs> talking to you and afterwards i was just cry and rob's like what is wrong with you i'm like she's so mean (laughs) and he's like she's mean i was like no she's not mean she's just honest and she's blunt and i (laughs) i think i told rob you lacked sensitivity (laughs) but (laughs) i'm like crying because i'm laughing um but then like in the same sentence i would turn around and tell him that it's so nice to have somebody that speaks Sam <laughs> that understands what what I'm saying without saying it because I don't have words to say it. And it, I don't know. So it, it kind of sucked at first, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But that was just my first, like, couple meetings, like, sessions. And then after that, I'm like, hey, like, I feel kind of better. Do you remember what the yeah. hardest part was? Like, what were the things that I was saying that were, like, really difficult to hear that made it seem like I was mean or insensitive? Well, most of the time it was... <laughs> I I never really, I guess, understood choice. And so it was, like, I would be complaining, and that's what it was. I was just complaining about stuff, and you're like, wait, like you didn't have to do that though (laughs) well yes I did because well no like you didn't have to do that like they're not making you feel like that like you're choosing to be upset you're choosing this you're choosing that and at first I was like no shut up and listen like (laughs) you don't get it and then I don't know it was just the choice thing was really hard and honesty that was my big thing because I would lie and I still do but I catch myself like I'll say something I'm like oh wait no just kidding that that was a lie but like before even in middle school so in middle school I had this friend named Sam best friend ever you know Sam Ray and Sammy Joe whatever it was cool but we'd hang out all the time and she had horses and so there was some times when we would just sit around watch movies eat Cheetos in a sports bra because we could because we were middle schoolers yeah. But whenever I got home, my mom would be like, what'd you guys do? Oh, we went horseback riding and this and that. Just lie about stupid stuff. Like, does she really care what I did? No. Does it make two cops to her if I watched Disney and ate snacks all day? No. <laughs> but I had to make it this elaborate, crazy thing. And so, but I've done that forever. So breaking, breaking the cycle of lying about Cheetos or whatever it may be it was hard. That was my hard part. Yeah, and it was hard to hear me tell you that you needed to do that. Yes, because I didn't want to. I needed to be interesting. I needed to be attention. I needed I needed that. Yeah. And now I really care. Yeah, and <laughs> that's so honest. Not. That's so honest that you even said that. Yeah, you're not out there riding horses. You're eating freaking Cheetos on the couch, chilling. <laughs> Right. But you had that. That's the mindset we have. Right. To create things that aren't there to somehow make us look different, even though there's just sometimes like no reason to do it. Right. Yeah. So why keep working with me if I was so mean and insensitive? (laughs) (laughs) Because I knew you were right. Like, it sucked to hear, Sam, you need to stop. You're throwing a temper tantrum. You're acting like a kid right now. That sucked to hear. But at the same time. 
after after a minute like it sucks to hear at first because it's like well how dare you like (laughs) you're supposed to tell me you know oh it's fine but then after after a little bit it sinks in that holy cow like I'm being a tyrant (laughs) like I'm this is ridiculous (laughs) yeah and I think it's also because you don't even want to be that way right so I feel like a lot of the times in the beginning I had to tell you all those things because it's not you're doing it and you don't even realize you're doing it right yeah then after you realize it it's kind of it is childlike and it's kind of humiliating after because well even before I started working with you like there was times and I'm sure anybody else would say that too that there's times that you look back and you're like holy crap did I actually did I really just do that but then you got to kind of roll with it because by admitting that oh shit I realized that sorry I realized that's wrong that's even more humiliating so you just kind of have to roll with it but it's so nice to not have to do that yeah absolutely it's like freeing right yes exactly yeah okay so in the beginning you felt a lot like Devin did on an earlier podcast you were like is this be crazy (laughs) all right for sure (laughs) so then you and I started with power of choice which I do talk about in earlier episodes but I think that's a harder concept to convey in a podcast but basically Sam is talking about how I explained to her that everything in life is a choice. If you think about things like a chess game, right? I make a move and then you make a move. And I'm not unworthy of making decisions in my life, whereas I would sometimes think that I am and that only other people can make choices and I don't have that power. And so then I wouldn't enforce that power. So when I talk to Sam about choices, I'm saying that she can choose whatever path she wants and then allow other people to make decisions and choose whatever they want and that everyone can have mutual respect for those decisions. And then we went into moral compass work, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, is that how you understand the nature of choice? Because maybe you have a way that you can say it in a way that will make people understand a little bit better. And Sam So for me... I never wanted to make a decision because I was so scared that it was going to be wrong. Whether it be wrong for me or it's not what they wanted me to say or whatever. And so I, and I'm still struggling with it sometimes even now, but like, I feel like it's so much easier for them to just tell me what to do because if it's wrong, it's not my fault. And so I would always let other people make my decisions and all this and that and just do whatever they said I was supposed to do because that is not another thing that, yet again, I'm going to screw up on. So just tell me how you want it done or what you want done, and I'll do it exactly like that. That way it doesn't come back on me. (laughs) And so it also comes down to I've learned responsibility too. So Right, accepting responsibility for your actions. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and yeah, and what's that? And my choice for my actions, but yet accepting responsibility for the choices that I make, too. So, Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about moral compass work, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of that journey and how it's helped you. So... <laughs> more, this one, it was, it was easy, but at the same time, it was kind of difficult because... Before, I still had that very black and white thinking, and, like, 
it was hard for, I remember messaging you and I'm like, okay, so this is my understanding of this definition. Is this correct? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Or, you know, you'd word it differently or something like that. So then I could, you know, understand things. And I mean, that part's getting a little better. Like I'm able to read between the lines and stuff a little more. So, but back then it was super hard. So I Googled all these definitions in like three or four different ways, <laughs> wordings, but, um, like integrity and honesty, dependability, accountability, being trustworthy, being brave, like it's it's so important to have these and I just never realized it, I guess. So what are the ones that you have to practice that you find yourself like coming back to consistently to maintain your recovery? Bravery is a big one. Um Bravery and honesty are, are two huge ones for me. Um, but also being, uh, being humble is hard because I find it like, I still kind of struggle sometimes with the, Hey, look, I did something right, (laughs) you know? And, you know, just, just be humble about it. Like it means more if you're, you just do your thing and, you know, if you have integrity, you know, you did the right thing anyway. So like, you know, you just do you, you don't need somebody to pat you on the back because you paid your car insurance for six months. <laughs> Be <laughs> humble about that. Okay. Or you join the Y ever win. <laughs> <laughs> What's your definition? Do you have your definitions there? Yeah. Can you so, read? Yeah. Oh, for integrity? For read your definitions for your top three. You said bravery, honesty, and humility. Okay, so for bravery, I put being scared and doing something anyway. Um, humility, doing something without seeking praise for it. And then for integrity and honesty, I kind of link those into, like, the same thing. So they're on, like, the same definition. And put always tell the truth and always do the right thing, even when's no one, even when no one is looking or when no one will know, but I will know. Right. That's awesome. Those are really great definitions. So how do you get to the point where I think this is a common question I'm asked a lot. And so this isn't something that I can really answer. This is only something that you can answer in your own journey. Like, how do you get to the point where we're working on moral compass work? And I tell you all these truths and then we're done our session. And, you know, and then then what? Like, what did you do, if you wouldn't mind sharing, to try to work on this stuff without me standing right next to you and telling you about it? So I, for me, I always had something going on, something BPD related or something Rose related or because we've got, you know, our, our group on Monday night, I had my session on Wednesday. I would always listen to the podcast. I would split it between Friday and Saturday. So, you know, I would, there, there was always something going on to keep it present. And I have notebooks, a million notebooks (laughs) (laughs) and they're all for different things, but my, my session one and my, my Monday group one, like, that one stays in my purse all the time. So, like, if I'm having, you know, a questionable mindset day or, you know, just if I need a minute or whatever, like, I've always got my go-to, you know, this is what we talked about three sessions ago. This is what we talked about yesterday or, you know, I've always got that to where I can keep it fresh. So, you're, like, studying the oh yeah your core values. Yeah. So when did you start, what's the first thing that you started putting into practice? Was it honesty? Yes. And I was brutal. I was not a very nice human. (laughs) I was 
those pants are terrible, go change, kind of honest. And I've, I've learned that, that, you know, that's good, but I've learned softer gray area ways to be more honest now. <laughs> right. But it's okay, right? That's like successive approximations towards the behavior we want. Meaning like you're, I just wanted you to be honest. So if you had to be brutally honest, yeah. okay. And then we talked about telling the truth in love, right? Telling the truth, but yeah. being kind about it and being supportive. Like when you said originally that I was insensitive, I think in the beginning I do come off that way, but you know now that that's like the opposite of true, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're probably the most sensitive person I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's about telling the truth and then like kind of balancing that out with love, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So like, it's not insensitivity, it's caring. It's, you know, hey, I, I care about you and this, you know, this is what you need to do to like preserve yourself or fix, you know, yeah, for sure. Okay. So you studied. And so Sam's talking about we have a Monday night Facebook group, which I try to do every Monday night when I can. And then there's a, it's a support group. And then there's, we were having sessions on Wednesdays when she was seeing me weekly. And she listens to the podcast like she purposely waits, even though the episode releases on Wednesday. So she relate waits until like Friday and Saturday splits the episode in two and listens to it. So she's doing that so that she can have this constant reminder of the work that we're doing together and this constant reminder that she needs to be looking at her moral compass work right and that you need to be looking at your definitions and that you need to really put that stuff into practice. So that's part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. All right, so let's go. What's it like to be in recovery for you? What does it mean for you to be like, not have BPD and just be quirky? Um, it's nice. Like, it, it means that I am now, like, I have the, I'm not overthinking everything anymore. I'm not stressing over everything anymore. So, like, I've got all this brain space that I can now fill with (laughs) things that I either enjoy or do not enjoy, but I'm doing them to figure out if I enjoy them. And it's, it, it just, I mean, you said it earlier, it's freeing. Yeah, for sure. What kinds of things are you trying to figure out if you like or don't like? Because you're you're talking about like identity development now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, that is my like big part of my recovery, I guess, is because I, you know, since I was diagnosed so young and everything, like I grew up being BPD, so I have no idea, you know, anything. Um, I've discovered that I don't like gardening in some capacities and I don't like farm work really I have a cow and I love him but that's my farm girl experience um (laughs) so the other day we (laughs) Rob has this old time hand crank ice cream maker and he's like hey let's make some ice cream I've never made ice cream before so I was like I wonder if I like that and then my little rose voice popped in my head and try it see if you'll like it I don't, folks. (laughs) I don't (laughs) like it at all. But I finished it, and I finished it because I needed to know if I liked it. I didn't even eat the ice cream. We scooped it out and stuck it in the freezer. I was over it. But I completed a task from beginning to end because, you know, it's – how are you going to know if you don't like it if you don't even finish it? That's right. (laughs) You might just not like the first part. You might love the last part. That's right. That's awesome. So ice cream is this like small thing in this grand scheme of life, but it means that instead of focusing time spent on like 
negative thoughts and tantrums and worrying about people leaving you that you're able to focus. I mean, how long does it take you to crank ice cream by hand? It's like hours. What's that? It took you hours? So she could spend hours and she could commit to spending hours making ice cream. She had didn't get frustrated. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. She didn't even eat the ice cream, but she started it and then ended it. And that is, you know, all part of the journey, right? Yeah, that I, I had enough, um, I don't want to say willpower, but I had, I had enough something to, to, you know, actually finish a completed task. That right there was worth it, even though I didn't like it at all. Are you feeling lost, frustrated, or resentment towards your loved ones, your friends, your family, your partner, your kids? Are you looking for online counseling or mindset and life coaching because of this pandemic? Go ahead and check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer secure, convenient, and confidential telehealth sessions. You can schedule your free initial consult right online or even pay for your first 60-minute individual session. Give us a call at 1-844-984-7483 if you have any questions at all. Let us be a part of your recovery journey. All right, so then, you know, you just started out doing all these different things to figure out who you were, like, and that's what you're doing now, like the ice cream and the gardening, you know, you're not a, you know, you're not a farm girl outside of that cow, no, but like, what else, if there's anything else you can say about recovery, what else is, what's it like, you know, what is, you worked hard, you know, you went from like crying and being sad at the stuff I was saying, you used to think that everything was the rob show right robbers your boyfriend and i told you it's not actually the rob show it's actually you know you want everything to revolve around you so you had to learn some really hard things so what why even continue on and like what's the reward what's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow so i've i mean good things like i i focus a lot better at work now so like I'm a car salesman. I sell cars. But before, it was like on a bad day, it was like I didn't know how to cope with that. It's like I'd sit at my desk and just be all, be a, a blob that scrolls through Pinterest all day and, you know, not do my job. But, you know, since since I've started covering, since I've got like, into it, into it um, I mean, like, I made salesman of the month. And so, like, it, it's helped a lot with work. It's helped a lot like with my personal life, like not just necessarily figuring out like what I do and don't like to do, but like what I do and I don't like as far as like being treated, what I do and I don't like as far as like significant other or, you know, just, just life in general. It's, it's again, the word freeing comes up. (laughs) Yeah. Freeing, right? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. So what happens when you have bad days now? Um, I don't just sit at my desk and be all mopey. Um, 
a, a lot of my recovery happens at work because I, I'm there five, six days a week. I work, you know, 10 plus hours a day sometimes. And so, you know, my home life, you know, that's, that's where I get to practice like my coping as far as, you know, how to, how to react in like whatever situation or whatever, but like my social stuff, that's, that was huge for me. And so, like, on a bad day, like, I instead of just sitting there, like, I throw myself into work. Like, I make sure that I talk to a customer. Like, you can't cry and be all sad if you're, you know, working. If you're, you know, making yourself in, enjoy the uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of things about recovery that I found is extremely uncomfortable. However, that's when I feel the best after. So that, that's how I deal with my bad days. And, like, if I'm at home, if it's my day off and it's a... A crappy day or if I had an exceptionally crappy day you know during the day or whatever if I was at work um bubble baths bubble baths. <laughs> and I yeah bubble baths and music um but now instead of wallowing and you know listening to that music that brings you further down into the rabbit hole I have like a positive happier playlist um you know more upbeat music and stuff like that so I'm able to cope with the bad days a lot better now yeah that's awesome so do you remember when you told me that you would like sit on the shower and the floor in the shower and like cry on the floor of the shower so it's interesting that you say now that you so yeah it's interesting that you say now that you take bubble baths and listen to happy music because all you're doing really is transforming everything that you were before and instead of looking at it through this lens of like pain and emotional intensity it's more like yeah, I mean, I, I like to be in water when I'm not feeling so great, and I like to be in the bath, but I don't have to be on the floor of my shower crying, listening to, like, really sad, depressing, hateful music, and getting worse and wallowing. I can be in my bathtub with my bubble bath, and I can just be sad, and I can just yeah. be relaxing, and I can listen to happy music, right? Right. Well, and I purposefully get, like, um, like those aromatherapy, like, bath salts and stuff like I get the orange one because it's supposed to be energizing and citrusy is like it gives you energy and that's that's what you need whenever (laughs) you're all down and out and you know you feel feelings or whatever it's like you know that that kind of helps me to break through my mood too but yes I I, that was not a good time I remember actually messaging you right after yeah (laughs) I would I used to just sit on the floor of the shower that's why I used to take such long showers now I'm like I don't have time for this I got stuff to do but I mean you know in and out but before I really would I'd be in there like 30 45 minutes with the hot water as long as it lasted I was in there and I would just sit there and ball and it was it was very depressing yeah for sure you were stuck in it and now you're sort of like reframing and doing things differently that's so cool it's awesome all right so let's talk about women's stuff and food and exercise right so I haven't really talked about this a lot on the podcast yeah I don't think I have man it's probably sad that I forget folks sorry about that but I I'm I'm thinking that I don't I don't talk a lot about this yet and I do want to do episodes that are more specific but with Sam Sam and I talked a lot about how her mood swings, because we have hyperbolic temperaments and we're hypersensitive, our mood swings when with women, when we have our period and when we ovulate, they really play into how severe our perception of reality can 
become distorted or like how severely distorted, excuse me, our perception of reality can become. And when I first told you that, you were like, did not, you're like, no, no, right? You didn't believe me. I thought you were friggin' nuts. <laughs> I was like, there is no dang way that these two are connected at all. Look at these other chicks. They're not psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember one time Sam was having a tantrum, right? It was intense. And I was like, you're on your period. And she's like, I don't, I'm not doing it in this, like, way that a man would say, right? Like, you're on your period. You're just, it was, it's more like your perception is distorted right now. You're on your period. And she just didn't say anything back to me. We were texting. And I was like, here we go. But you, so the, the bottom line is that there's a correlation between our intense mood swings and ovulation and our period. And I bet there are people out there who are like, no, no, no. And they swear that's not the case. Well, just like Sam swore that wasn't the case, you should track your ovulation and you should track your period because whenever progesterone and estrogen are off in your body, that will affect your perception of reality, right? Sam, you want to tell it in your own words? So, I mean, that's, yeah, basically. Like, whenever you told me that, though, I just, I thought you were off your rocker a little bit. I mean, that was part of the, what did I say? Oh, brutal (laughs) but um so I downloaded this little calendar thing on my phone and you're like just check it three months keep it on there if it if it doesn't work you know if if that's not the case my bad we'll get rid of it whatever so I use that daily (laughs) and like it's got cute little emojis you just tap on whatever your mood is but um anyways I I do that and then whenever I could feel myself start to feel off or, you know, like I could just tear somebody's head off for breathing wrong or whatever, I look and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, breathe how you want. I'm just nuts today. It's fine. But just being aware of that makes it so nice to where you can be like, I don't know. You just, you just look at it and you're like, okay, so, you know, I'm I'm not actually having a bad day. There's actually science behind this mood. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, because that's like, you know, if you look at period and ovulation, a man-man, like, it's like three weeks out of every month. We get one good week, and I think because we're hypersensitive, you know, that that shift and that hormonal shift is happening all the time, so it does play into the intensity of our moods. Is that the entire reason why we get upset? No, but it makes it worse. I think it makes it harder for you to see reality, and this month, I think you saw it, right? Yeah, it was it was for sure this month like it it was it was not fun um but (laughs) I ate like crap this month (laughs) all right so yes (laughs) tell them about food oh gosh so that was another thing I thought you were nuts about I was like great so her (laughs) husband does the this workout coach uh, what's it called? Trainer stuff. And now she's going to tell me I can't eat bagels. <laughs> and so, <laughs> for real, that's what I thought. I was like, man, not only do I get to vent and she tells me I'm wrong, but she tells me I can't have frosted animal cookies either. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and so I gave that a shot, just like the little tracker deal. And I am telling you, within three days, I felt freaking amazing. Like, I I ate a lot, but, like, it was good. And, like, I, rem- I remember going through the middle aisles of the grocery store, sending you pictures, and I'm like, can I eat this? You're like, no. That's great. Can I eat this? 
Well, wait, let me tell them what, we have to give them some context. So Sam is talking about me telling her that people with borderline personality disorder often have autoimmune diagnoses. And Sam doesn't have, you don't have a diagnosed autoimmune disorder, right? I'm right about that. Um, I don't, yeah, I haven't been yet to check or anything. Okay. So I'm always going off of theories and patterns of behavior that I see in other people. And so I asked her, you know, commit to checking your period and ovulation, see if that's a thing. And it was a thing for her. And it's a thing for, it was a thing for me. And it's a thing for a lot of people I work with. And the other thing I say is, is okay, well, like if you're hypersensitive in your mood and your behavior and all those things emotionally, you're also going to be hypersensitive to the things that you put in your body. So I think there's always a possibility that there's a dairy, gluten, soy, you know, allergy, and also just like, how are the chemicals in the foods affecting your body? And I know that that was a big thing for me. So for Sam, when she noticed that her periods were a cause of her distorted perception of reality, I was like, okay, well, you know, I need you to try to eat, just commit to eating like paleo-esque, not low carb, not carbs are bad, but like sweet potatoes, whole foods, right? You were eating a lot of vegetables. She wasn't going on, she wasn't eating frosted animal cookies, poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So that's what she said. I found other alternatives, though. (laughs) So what was it like for you to... You were saying you would go through the middle aisles of the grocery store? Yeah, so, like, just, like, um... Even some of the stuff that, like, is in, like, the vegetarian aisle. I think I, I sent you a picture of cheese one time. It was, like, vegetarian cheese. And even that was, like, chocked full of crazy chemicals and, you know, stuff like that. And so... It was kind of disheartening <laughs> when you're like, no, you can't have that. No, you can't have that. But it was cool because it was like, you can't have that, but here's why. And here's what you could do instead, a good alternative or whatever. Um, it And so I didn't really feel like it was too restricting. And just because you're not eating, you know, something that comes down a conveyor belt in a package, <laughs> yeah. like there's still so much like just there's there's so many good alternatives Yeah, it's just about feeding yourself good, whole, nutrient-dense foods so that you make sure that you're not playing into that hypersensitivity by giving yourself, like, you know, chemical-laden foods. And it's, you know, it depends on you. You have to see for your body because, you you know, you thought I was crazy, but you tried it, right? And then what was the result for you? And it wasn't a diet, everyone. I do, I want to preface, she wasn't on a diet. I actually had to tell Sam to eat more. Cause it was like one smidgen of lettuce or something. Okay, that's a hyperbole, but like she wasn't eating enough. And the idea isn't that you're now dieting. The idea is that you're eating a lot of nutrient dense foods, right? Yeah. And so like I had eaten like pizza rolls and hot pockets and Taco Bell and whatever for lunch <laughs> and dinner, you know, it was just, that's my comfort food. It's yeah. great junk. <laughs> and so, but like, I want to say it really was, it was literally about three days and I was like, man, I am starving all the time. And I even messaged you. I'm like, man, I'm so hungry. You're like, eat. I'm like, really? It's only, you know, 1030 or whatever. I already had, you're like, so? <laughs> it's good stuff. And like, I never, I didn't realize how much my body craved food. Like, I was not eating food. But whenever I started, you know, actually getting the hang of it, like, I could think clearer, too. There wasn't this, like, weird, hazy fog or like I don't know sometimes almost like a dream state like you're awake but it's almost like a 
like you're not living it, you're watching it, I guess, kind of. Like, I didn't have that. It was just changing my diet changed a lot of stuff. And my periods was even better after dealing, like, you know, changing the way that I was eating and stuff. Like, I found that I didn't get as, as cranky for for a la- lack of a better term. <laughs> I wasn't, like, raging cranky. And it was it was good. That's awesome. That's a good way to put it. And you've seen, like, you haven't stayed completely paleo because it's difficult to do that or completely, like, whole foods. So you saw this month that you didn't and you had a different reaction, right? Oh, yeah. It was horrible. And, like, it's you can almost, like, feel your mind slipping back, like, your way of thinking and, like, your, your cramps and moods and everything slipping back to the way it was before. But because of the BPD I just didn't have my task initiated. I didn't have the the drive to be like man I need a zucchini right <laughs> it exactly. was like man I really need those gummies <laughs> yeah yeah so it's an ongoing process the diet and nutrition stuff and it's figuring out really what works for you but she you know Sam's been great in committing to things that she just kind of blindly trusted me and jumped in she committed to all these things that she thought I was crazy for saying for and she's like really reap the benefits so now like we talked about in the beginning power of choice she can go and choose you know now that she had a horrible like experience with her period this month next month I'm sure she'll get closer to eating more whole foods and so that will shape her behavior you know forever because she'll always know like well this is what I have to fall back on I felt that you know I felt that what it feels like to have nutritious foods versus like you know bagel bites I mean I used to love bagel bites that's why I laugh I laugh because like I was the same you know and I I also fall off the wagon on occasion and I just did recently and I had an awful period too so it's it's really important for us to be aware of our temperament always recovery doesn't mean you just wake up and you're like cool I'm good I'm done recovery is an ongoing journey but like I think life is an ongoing journey for people right yeah I just want to talk briefly about movement and then we'll go to our last two questions. So movement was something you did join the YMCA because I was saying that like physical exercise was important, but you didn't even need to go to the YMCA because you live on a 50 acre farm, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I never actually went by the way. Okay. (laughs) I, I paid and I have a card, and then it was just one of those, like, I joined. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't actually do anything if you don't go. <laughs> right, but you did do the thing I asked you to do, which was you matched your emotional intensity. I remember that day very vividly because you were in a low point. You had a fight yeah. with your partner, right? Yeah. And I said, I need you to go out and do something physical, and I need you to blast in your ears, like, happy music. And what did you do that day? I went out and I weed-eated probably a half a mile of fence that day. <laughs> yep. And it took it took a long time, but I did. I, I mean, I had my phone in my pocket and my headphones in, and it was... At one point, towards the end, I looked back, because like, I had to refill my weed-eater string or whatever. So I put it down, and I grabbed my string, and I looked back, and I was like, holy cow, like... I wasn't even mad anymore. I was just doing my thing. Like, <laughs> I was just finishing my weed eating. And I looked back, I was like, wow, like, I got, I got a lot done. Yeah. <laughs> but you, it, it felt so good after. And after I weed eated, I went and I helped uh, 
I helped work on a roof. And then, I mean, there that entire day, like, by the time I got home at the end of the day, it was, I was so exhausted that I really had no problem sleeping that night at all. I didn't have to do melatonin or, you know, Benadryl or anything. Like, it was, it physical activity was awesome. It helped so much. Yep. So physical activity is really important. And there are things that, you know, because we have BPD, we're not going to go out. Like, Sam doesn't go out and do that every single day because she's working on self-discipline and also just because... She's not always that dysregulated. She doesn't have to. But when you do have to, you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, even if it happens, like, at work, like, I'm lucky, I guess, to have a place of business where you do, you know, you get paid to go outside and walk around. And so, you know, I am able to, even in the middle of the day, if I need it, like, I'll go walk the lot, take inventory, you know, do all these other things that I don't have to do, but it helps. Yeah. Awesome. So, track your period choose nutritious foods see if you have an allergy to dairy wheat gluten soy and you know i say paleo because that's a good framework but you can just think of eating whole nutritious foods and you want to do movement and we'll go more into depth with that but i just wanted you to see that like part of one of the biggest reasons for sam's success is that she thought i was nuts but she did it anyway and she trusted me throughout the whole process and she just ended up thriving because of it all right, this has been awesome. So let's just go into our like last questions. And what? so what advice do you have for people out there struggling or people questioning um, whether or not they can recover? Um, so I guess the biggest thing that I learned would be that I am stronger than I thought I was because that... I never really had, I guess, the self-confidence, really, to think that, I mean, I thought I was just going to be a waitress for the rest of my life, which there's nothing wrong with that. I loved it, and I make great money, but I just thought that, you know, that was going to be me, making wrong, terrible decisions and, you know, having this job forever, but now I see that, like, I'm... I'm more than that. Like, I'm not just somebody who makes terrible decisions. I'm somebody who makes mistakes and learns from them. I'm somebody who, you know, is more sure of themselves than I was before. Um, I'm lear- I learned trust. I mean, obviously, like, I had to trust you with <laughs> my mind, basically. Yeah. Like, with everything, every aspect of my life, I messaged you. And, you know, some of it was TMI stuff, but that's okay because, you know, BPD affects literally every aspect of our lives. And, yep. you know, it, it took a lot for me to reach out for help, too. <clears throat> because, I mean, yeah, I was diagnosed, like, so young, like 12, but, I mean, I'm a 30-year-old grown woman. Like, who wants to be an adult and be like, hey, I need help? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But enough. it was probably the best decision of of my life. It was awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So, you know, and you, for everybody out there listening, you know, I know I had Jay, and I get this question a lot because I was really fortunate in having Jay help me. So I have this awesome husband who's very patient, very kind, and was able to be my corrective relationship. And for Sam, you know, I don't know, maybe I was Sam's corrective relationship, but she didn't have, I mean, she's got a partner, right? And, you know, not to tear anybody down, but Sam did this on her own. You know, she's not, 
she's doing it for herself on her own. She doesn't have that same level of support that I had with Jay. And so if you're out there wondering if you can do it, just you, you can. You know, the, the way that Sam did it is that she just it devoted all of her everything to it, right? That's what she did. Yeah. That's what like, you I are just, doing. Yeah, like, I, you just do it. Like, I mean, if if somebody's a single mom, how do you raise your kid? Like, you just do it. How do you do recovery? You just do it. Like, like I said before, like, I've got a million and fifty notebooks. I have a huge purse for a reason. <laughs> like, I carry, like, everything with me all the time. I've got... I've got my my Bible in my purse all the time. I've got my session book in my purse all the time. I've, you know, there's there's always something for every feeling with me all the time. And so you just, like, I've noticed people with BPD, especially myself, like, I, have, I find this one thing and I get obsessed with it. And that's what I did with my recovery is it was, it was my hobby. It was, it was my passion project was that it was my recovery and that was one thing that we had talked about um was find your passion project and you know figure do it from start to finish all of that well I never I couldn't really find anything <laughs> except for that what my recovery was my passion project kicking BPD's butt was that was the one thing that you know I was passionate about redoing a jeep for a minute I was passionate about you know all kinds of different I have a million and fifty different old windows because I was gonna paint them all and sell them <laughs> I'd never I have like three but uh anyway my recovery and you know my mindset and everything was that was my passion project and so that that helped a lot yeah that's amazing way to put it because you're right you know like a lot of people say well you know do you believe in recovery can I recover I don't know if I can do this but we can do all these other things. I mean, I can think of just like you, so many random things that I went on crusades for that I was passionate about, right? And that's how I recovered. You just get, you have to make it your business to recover. It has to be the most important thing in your life. And that's what you did. And you just yeah. make it your business, well, right? Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, like like you said, not everybody, you know, does have, have what you have as far as, you know, that, that person that, you know, your corrective relationship. Not everybody has that. And I, I mean, I don't. And so I think that you were definitely corrected. And so like, I mean, you, you were most definitely correct in, in that not everybody has that corrective relationship that you do have to do it by yourself sometimes. And I, I did, you know, it, it, it's harder to do by yourself, but I mean, like you said, you know, you, you were my corrective relationship, you know, so it wasn't necessarily, a significant other that has to be that for somebody so even if you've got like a best friend or you know somebody who just wants what's best for you it doesn't have to be like you know your boy or your guy or whatever like anybody as long as they want what's best for you absolutely that's really great advice so do you believe that recovery is possible most definitely awesome and so what's next for you um figuring out what else I can make choices about now that I can <laughs> I mean I always could but now that I actually realize it like there's so much that like I look forward to going out by myself <laughs> I never wanted to do that I hate that I hate social stuff but I like being uncomfortable now to that kind of extent like I want to go see a movie by myself I want to take myself out to dinner and sit in a corner and just you know read a book wait for my food like 
all these things that I, I was so scared to do before, like recovery gives you so much self-confidence. Like it's exciting. I look forward to living in it. <laughs> That's amazing. You're like love and life. Yes. I hear that. Very I feel much. the same way. It's a big adventure now and it's not a big scary thing, right? It's not perfect. Right. Nope. But it's good. Yes, oh. Very. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview, Sam. I hope this helps for everybody out there who are struggling and who are, you know, you're doing your moral compass work, but it's just not doing it for you. You know, like maybe there's some other level of commitment that you need to make, or maybe there's some of the things that Sam said today that made sense to you. Um, But yeah, if you need any help, just reach out and, you know, I'd love to connect with you. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.